This is episode number 12 of Artful Thought, recorded live at the University of San Francisco's KUSF studio, which aired on Saturday, August 17th, 2019. I'm stoked to be joined by Roadkill, who I met seven months ago at my first weekly meeting as a volunteer at the Coalition on Homelessness. Roadkill is an SF native who grew up in the mission and shares her experience as a formerly unhoused citizen. She's an adamant community leader for housing and human rights justice, working alongside the Coalition on Homelessness, the production team at Stolen Belonging Project, and among other capacities to urge social change. morning. You're listening to KUSF in San Francisco. I'm Darcy. I formerly went by DJ Mr. Darcy. You can still call me that if you'd like. I am the host of this show uh, that is just now starting called Artful Thought. The point of my show is, I mean, there's music on my show, but I used to have just music and kind of did these mic talk breaks in between. And now it's more of a talk uh, show, like every couple or a few weeks, I'll have a guest on. And it's mostly, you know, aimed at looking at people that I uh, really am inspired by who are doing work in the community either on a professional, you know, in their own job or in their sort of activism and their art work or some some type of path that they're going down that I really find uh, resonates with, uh, you know, improving humanity uh, and seeing how all of these different things in art, culture, uh, your job, um, all of these can braid together rather than just staying in their own lane, especially with art, I think is informed by a lot of these socio-political things that are happening right now. And that's a good segue into introducing my guest who will be here in a few minutes. Um, her name, oh, and that's her calling. I uh, will have to... Okay, so that's her. So I need to wrap up uh, this uh, introduction. So I, uh, yeah, I'm going to have Roadkill on. Her name is actually Megan Johnson. But um, we're going to be talking about the housing crisis in the Bay Area. I think that's on, right? Yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. Sweet. Can you hear okay, by the way? Mm -hmm. Okay, sweet. Cool. So thank you so much for being here. I, uh, You're welcome. I, I'm so happy to be here with you. <laughs> yeah, it, this is just so much fun. I think radio is um, one of those, it feels like a therapy session sometimes <laughs> for me, uh, but it also feels like, I don't know, it's just like art, you know? It's just like you're capturing conversational art and you can do a lot of different things with sound, like adding music or... You know, there's a lot of different genres that you can do with uh, with radio and podcasting. And uh, so Roadkill is one of my friends uh, that I met here in San Francisco within this past year um, through the Coalition on Homelessness. So I'll give an introduction before we hop into our, our chat today. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and uh, yeah, so she is from San Francisco and she's SF native. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So she can give us a lot of like frame of reference of like all of the 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 stuff that has hit the ceiling in a lot of different ways in this city that I'm, you know, I'm a newbie here. So 
Um, you know, uh, we'll, we'll get into it, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, we got a whole lot of stuff to cover. Yes. (laughs) Um, and we'll try to do our best in an hour. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's just sort of planting seeds too, for whoever is listening. Um, and yeah, so I'm not going to do her justice, but, um, my kind of like intro that I kind of, uh, whipped up, uh, so that she's a staunch fighter for housing and human rights justice here in San Francisco, but I mean, everywhere she goes, she shines a light on on those principles and um, essentially the Aaron Brockovich of the housing crisis in, <laughs> in the Bay Area, in SF particularly. And um, she's a tenacious community leader and advocate. She works among uh, or alongside the Coalition on Homelessness, which was where we, we met and became friends, and um, the production team at Stolen Belonging Project, among other capacities to urge social, much-needed social change. And she's also the mother of two gorgeous young kiddos. And I've never met them. I've seen so many really, really, really beautiful photos of them on the internet, on Facebook. Um, (laughs) Your oldest is going into preschool next week, right? Um, The next two weeks. So we're, like, super excited about that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so I'm super honored that you're here and that you're my friend and I feel like there's just such a kindred spirit that, you know, like you don't see a lot, you know, after a certain age, you know, it's hard to, to, to see the, the type of friendships that you can make with people that actually stick. And outside of all of this social justice stuff and meeting you at the co, um, I just, I really feel like you're, you're such a cool person um and likewise darcy you're one of the coolest people i've met so far at the coalition for sure thanks (laughs) likewise uh so outside of that gal romance that gal pal sort of (laughs) gushing at each other um so tell us about um of course you grew up here but tell us about like um yeah what it was like growing up in san francisco being a native so i am 25 i was born in 1993 in a random hotel room in the mission it says hotel on my birth certificate it's funny um so i mean it doesn't get any more san franciscan than that yep um grew up though on 21st in alabama for the first 15 years of my life um there were so many different things going on in that time a lot of them happen to be political and because of my age like like gap mm-hmm. i wasn't aware of a lot of them until i got older and um but i did notice some things when i was younger as well there was a lot of gang violence and there was a lot of police violence and you know <clears throat> just to touch up on that a little bit like I felt safer when I was younger, mm-hmm. despite all that stuff happening, versus how I feel about stepping into the mission now. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, it's just, it's all about perspective and really how people perceive things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The way people have a preconceptions or prejudgments um, about the any person who's um, experiencing like transitional housing or they are chronically like homeless um or chronically is that 
Yeah. yeah. Chronically yeah. homeless. I, yeah, I was like, not sure Honestly, if I said you, that right. to yeah. me, if you've been out in the streets for more than like half a year to a year, like to me, you're chronically homeless. Yeah. And there's problems with the the language, the linguistics and definitions of what people consider, you know, unhoused, you know, or like all of these dominoes affect of different needs that people have. I don't know, making a hierarchy out of certain housing needs and profiling people um, is the problem. And it reinforces, even people, and this is my sort of, you know, like beef with um, a lot of what the city's doing and not doing enough um, stems from like social justice sort of appropriation of just helping Mm -hmm. people like worrying about the numbers reach type of BS, you know? And not actually seeing the whole picture of each individual. Yeah. And that is the exact same equation as police um, criminalizing the homeless. Oh, like, totally. They profile them all the time. Yeah. Like they profile people of color. Just yeah. anybody that's um, marginalized. So Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that going around. Yeah. And, it, and, uh, and I know there's a lot of students on campus who are just getting here for the first time. Maybe you've lived in San Francisco. Maybe you just moved here out of state and you have no idea what you just stepped into. But you're going to learn <laughs> Buckle right up, quick. sweetheart. <laughs> it's going to be a bumpy ride. <laughs> it's better, you know, early on to just, you know, really dip your toes into this. And we want to help people understand and not, like, you know, go around, like, you know, bl- throwing fingers of blame, unless you're like a billionaire in San Francisco, then we definitely want to criticize the crap out of you or <laughs> Jeff Kaczynski. Oh my God, yeah. But like people like baby faces who are just moving here and they're just adults getting out of the nest and their parents, or maybe maybe you're listening right now and we just want to shine a light in a way that is inclusive of people to help, you know, like think about this issue and help, you know, like we'll have plugs for how you can get involved. Oh, yeah, uh, totally at the end. Yeah. So if anybody wants to get involved, um, we'll be doing some shout outs to a lot of really cool nonprofits around the Bay. Yeah, tech is like a literal and a metaphorical sort of division, like mental and physical divisions that are happening in the the SF area and Bay area. But um, yeah, and I got it. OK, so um, I have to ask uh where did you get the name roadkill like did were you given that nickname or did you come up with it so long story short (laughs) it's kind of a long story but um (laughs) yeah i just happened to be i think i was like 13 years old just walking around in the mission gonna go see my grandmother i had two of them um my grandmother that lived on 21st and Alabama, and then my grandmother that lived between 21st and 22nd of Harrison. And so I was jaywalking, <laughs> but this was back, uh, like, early 2000s before they started putting dash cams on cameras, or dash cams on um, cars yeah. and vehicles. And so I actually had a hit and run with a taxi, which oh I won't crap. go into what it was. You know, I'm not going to put them on blast right now, but... Yeah, so I was out of, this was in seventh grade, so yeah, I was down, I like broke my growth plate, actually fractured it, and it took multiple surgeries because I got a botched surgery at General Hospital, so when I finally got back, I was already, it was already eighth grade, and so when I got there, a lot of the people, a lot of the kids, some of them, 
uh, some of them were kind of bullies, so they were like, oh my god, walking zombie roadkill. Oh so just because of the person that I am, I was like, you know what, fuck that. I'm, oh, excuse me. No, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm going to just run with that name, and I slashed the name zombie roadkill and just went with roadkill. Yeah. So. And I mean, kind of, you know, nicknames, you're not really supposed to give them to yourself, so. <laughs> I believe in, like, the whole, like, taking back words meaning that are meant, like, not giving it Voldemort power, you know, and just, mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm going to own that and, like, repurpose its meaning and mm-hmm. um, just convert it to whatever pain or weakness people meant it to be and just make it my strength because, right, yeah, like, who's to say that roadkill has to mean something negative, you know? <laughs> like, right. It's survivor, you know, survival, you know? Like, I had mm-hmm. this incident happen, and I came out of it, you know, stronger in the person I am today. And <laughs> yeah. and regardless of kids, if anything, it's, like, sort of like a, a backlash to them that they thought, like, oh, yeah, this was really going to bring her down. Yeah, but they it, thought they were going to defeat me by giving me a name, but I turned it around and was like, hey, I actually like this name. Yeah. So, woohoo, joke's on you. <laughs> and it's such a, like, it's such a badass name, too. Like, I... <laughs> think that if you want to get into radio DJing, like, you should definitely, like, DJ Roadkill is just really, really cool. (laughs) That's so cool, actually. Of course, we've gotten into the love-hate sort of (coughs) relationship between, uh, you know, there's a lot of cool things about San Francisco. There's a lot of really painful things about San Francisco. Yeah, they go hand in hand. (laughs) Yeah. And before we go into the the hate uh, <laughs> um, and the the sort of criticisms that we're going to get into. Yeah. Kind of like to use the word dislike. Dislike, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's truly things I do hate, but I mean, it's honestly just more of a dislike. Yeah. Because they can of, improve and get better. Yeah. It's like hate of hatred itself, you know, like mm-hmm. which is kind of ironic. I don't want to give that. them that much strength. You yeah. know, that much power, so. There's a quote <laughs> that I heard that is like that, um, that uh, this guy, I think his name was Max Frisch, where he said, you know, if anything, my hatred doesn't do so much to destroy others more than it does to destroy myself. And within, I mean, wow. the context of just, like, mentality thinking, it can do a lot of physical damage to other people if yeah. in the right, you know, sort of bad circumstances, but from the thought process of like, you know, nip hate at the bud, you know, it's definitely dampens your hope that people that you have this hatred for, that they can change. And we have to have that hope, you know, if we're still living might as well, you know, (laughs) people have changed, you know, I've changed and it can happen. Um, Oh yeah. yeah. Like even 10 years ago, I was a very apathetic, depressed (laughs) person. And I literally, like my environment was, you know, my mood. I was in a lot Mm -hmm. of weird, weird happenings. So yeah, now I've been throwing myself into more positive work and I feel like everything else is following, like following suit with that positivity. So I love (laughs) that. Like your, your environment was your mood. Yeah. I've always been like that. Spot on. (laughs) I'm empathic, I guess. I guess you could say that. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) And it's funny, like in the older you get, you sort of have to do the work. It's not going to magically happen. You know, Mm -mm. You have to like. You have to work at it. <laughs> actively change your your vision of how you look at things, and 
um, the people around you. And it's definitely, there's just different options of the way to look at the world and um, not to always be pie in the sky about everything, but like you have to have some type of optimism. There's a lot of good in San Francisco, <clears throat> as is there's a lot of bad, but um, something that I appreciate um, about San Francisco is that I was born, I guess, in the right time to be, like, who I was. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I came out, <laughs> like, um, I think in sixth grade, but I had known since I was five years old, you know, that... I was gay as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, I knew I loved women, and, you know, <clears throat> a lot of people, they like to say that children, you know, they don't know what they're thinking, they're not developed yet. That's, like, malarkey. Like, yeah. I was five years old knowing, you know, that my family was trying to swing me one way, but my heart was swinging me another. Mm -hmm. So I always appreciate San Francisco for, you know, just being that for a lot of people, mm -hmm. not even just me. A lot of people I've talked I've talked to over the years, um, they were either born here and then it was just kind of a part of our routine, or they came here seeking that kind of environment. Yeah. So I appreciate San Francisco for being that to the LGBTQIA um, plus yeah, community. You all know? of those syllables, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've definitely grown since I was younger, but um, I mean, it's just you know we're always evolving. Humans are always evolving. There's so many different people who love different people, as long as there's consent, of course. But oh, like, yeah, of course. Every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Consent yeah. is everything, everyone. Yes. <laughs> if you didn't know that before. <laughs> Especially for college students, like, consent, consent, consent. doesn't matter how much you've been drinking. Like, definitely premeditate, you know, like, okay, I need to have a con control and that sort of thing. And to, you know, it's okay to be curious, too. I love, um, I don't know... I know some people have issues with, like, the second Q in the LGBTQIA, but, I mean, I think it's important to include, like, people can be curious. It's really okay to, like, venture out, as long as you're not toying with people's emotions and just yeah. honest about, so like, BS. that <laughs> with anybody, you know, right. regardless of sexuality, you know, um, to just always have your intentions, like, if it involves another person out on the table. And for me, like, personally, I think definitely have some, I'm kind of torn, like, I think I fit under the questioning, so I can't feel like, uh, I don't want to falsely identify as part of the queer community, because there's mm -hmm. a lot of queer appropriation happening, and it's yeah. ridiculous. Um, I guess when I first started out, I came out as lesbian, because that was, mm -hmm. like, the only thing I really knew. And then as I started progressively, like, experimenting and going further into it, I found out I'm pansexual. So huh. I love people not for their parts or their bits. I love them for, like, what's in here and yeah. what's in here. So for anyone that didn't see me <laughs> doing what I did, my head and my heart, like, if we connect, if, you know, like, that's just it. You yeah. Know? So. I, yeah, I love that. <laughs> and I love... Uh, uh, yeah, pansexuality, I love, and I think I have, like, sort of a little bit of that for mostly just, I think it's, like, uh, homo uh, romanticism with, with a lot of my friends where I'm not, like, sexually attracted to them, but I'm in love with them. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I have that with only women, and it's okay. very specific, um, and 
Yeah, because women are just the best people. <laughs> or like non-binary right. folks, do I want to be inclusive? Um, and not excluding, there's some really terrific men in my life who I love dearly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, But I always want to, I'm kind of agnostic about my sexual orientation. Uh, and just sort of like, the jury's still out. Like, And I am sort of like in a in a place where I'm just like, just doing a lot of this college stuff. And then we'll, you know, like, see about other relationship <laughs> stuff but um everybody look out darcy's gonna be on the prowl eventually <laughs> <laughs> and consent is a huge thing like don't mm-hmm. touch anybody you know like who doesn't want you to touch him uh and uh just verbal consent too if you're talking to somebody that can be assault too you know <laughs> just like harassing somebody um who's oh, yeah, not definitely. interested in you um, yeah, no, no on the cat calling, and that goes for men and women. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's good to give, like, a compliment. Be like, oh, hey, you have beautiful eyes, or I love your scarf. But, like, you know, anything beyond that that makes somebody uncomfortable, you need to stop. Yeah. Because <laughs> you can see when someone's uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, people should be able to read that. Just Might just be space. us, but <laughs> yeah. it's definitely a thing. And men, I've got to say, like, men need to be more um, on their guard, uh, about, like, making women uncomfortable, <laughs> like, with their, like, physical space sometimes, like, just taking up so much space on, like, Muni, um, yeah. touching a woman could be a trigger, you know, like, or who, appe- who presents I don't want to get into female. SFMTA right now yeah. about them just illegally touching people yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> there are people who have gone You know, because your body is your property and nobody else can touch that and nobody else can tell you what to do with it, so... Yeah. Yeah. And definitely don't like SFMTA for doing shit like that. Yeah. I hear blood curdling stories all the time about uh, them like assaulting people's rights. So Yeah. A lot of them happen to be homeless, so uh there's probably a pattern there. <laughs> yeah, that's just ridiculous. Um and there's a lot of city workers that um especially the police, um, SFPD um, who are really bad about, like, authoritarianism and mm-hmm. wielding, like, power tripping. And- <laughs> They're kind of like this, uh, this bromance they got going on. Because where there's SFPD, like, there's SFMTA somewhere close by it. Mm-hmm. So we can get on in that yeah. further. <laughs> but I want to say one more thing about um, what I love about San Francisco and yeah. appreciate about San Francisco. And I definitely want to give a shout-out to the mission and then um, just, you know, San Francisco in a whole is just so diverse, and I love it all, you know. It's not just one cookie-cutter, like, shape. It's so many different things. Yeah. And um, I'm kind of upset with, you know, as you're going to hear this word, guys, as we go along, but I'm upset that, you know, the mission had to be gentrified, mm-hmm. you know, because a lot of people, you know, like I said earlier, perspective. Oh, I said, I felt safer, you know, as a young child, even though there was a lot of gang violence and police violence, because at least then there was still a sense of community Mm -hmm. in a weird way, I know. But, um, like, I don't know, there was just more culture and just, I just see it being, like, you know, my Hispanic roots, I just see them being phased out slowly. (laughs) And it's happening everywhere. It's not just the mission. That's the cold, sad part. Yeah, that's, yeah, um, I had a guest on a couple weeks ago, Paul Flores, who uh, is, like, he was 
born somewhere else, but he like basically like grew up in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. like in his at least his young adulthood, and he does like art arts projects, like youth arts education in the Mission at um, Axion Latina. Um, nice. And yeah, and he talked about that. He's like, we're still here, we're still alive <laughs> and going, but it is. Right getting tougher because of the shift with the dot-com boom and the waves of tech companies coming in and cool like it's like i'm not anti-tech 100 percent. i'm anti anybody who comes in and you know just completely suffocates other cultures or economies um for their beliefs or for their views yeah it's not specific to tech anybody who does that you know Mm -hmm. like if it were an arts community that did that, you know, and suffocated other populations that have been there before them, like... We'd be talking about them, too. Exactly. <laughs> it's not just... And they're good tech people, you know, they're... Oh, good. yeah, there's... I've definitely met some, like, people that, you know, are in tech, and they still have morals. They still have, you yeah. know, some kind of, like, roots. They have <laughs> but shame. Then, and shame, yeah, they do feel shame for, like, what's happening right now, like, the state of San Francisco... And then you have the people that are, you know, yimbies and over here being, like, non-my-neighborhood kind of shit. And, yeah. um, I mean, those people, like, they're trash people to me, you know? Yeah. It's like, how are you just going to come in here and dismantle San Francisco and then, you know, try to, like, you know, mold it to your own style and your own way and then, you know, give backlash to the community that had been here for so long? It's colonialism. <laughs> there you go. That's the perfect word. Yeah. <laughs> It's, um, I feel like, uh, gentrification, colonialism, what's another word? Nationalism is, like, mm. I feel up there. Yeah, that's, yeah, that one's a touchy subject, because yeah. those people, they freak me the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> they really do. And I think the point of, uh, there's such a difference between, like, feeling, like, really proud of your community and where you came from, wherever it's at, but the point of the United States and especially San Francisco is that we're made up of so many different groups of people and we welcome all people as long as they're welcoming us, you know, <laughs> especially yeah. people who've lived here their entire life, whose families have grown up here. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. second generation. My kids are third generation. Yeah. So I totally know. I feel that. <laughs> yeah. We had to be displaced um, a few years back and I mean, leaving San Francisco and being gone for two and a half years and not from my own will, but being forced to, Mm -hmm. like, it was very detrimental to my health and everything. Like, it was horrible. So. (laughs) That has, and and I love how you have a distinction, especially in all the meetings we've been in with people, like, having deeper conversations about policy and all of this. I love that you say and i've heard this from other people like unhoused and not homeless because this is still home for Mm -hmm. people oh yeah unhoused residents all day yeah even when i was you know homeless (laughs) like i wasn't really homeless because san francisco is still my home yeah regardless of if i was sleeping on the street yeah so yeah and people i don't like it especially like this language stuff whenever people say residents and don't include people who are don't have house houses who don't have like a lease 
they are still residents. They're still oh, totally. living and breathing <laughs> on the street like, or oh, wherever. Like, don't exist, what? <laughs> exactly. Like, you're still... You're still here. <laughs> you may not be a tenant, you know, but you're still a resident. You're still my neighbor, you know? Like, <laughs> we still live in the same place and... We still have the same community. So yeah. It and all goes together. Yeah, and I think it just creates, like, language stuff like that does create divisions of, like, us-them stuff, you know? It's funny how people treat you when they know that you don't, like, have four walls to call your own. <laughs> like, it's so weird. Yeah. There's a lot of people, <clears throat> as you know, that are, like, you know, dealing with mental health problems and all this other stuff, and it's becoming more of a rise. It's going more on a rise because of how little people care nowadays for their unhoused folk and their unhoused neighbors <laughs> so yeah. yeah and it ties into i think it's at a i think whenever we say like the housing crisis it's a human crisis and people oh, aren't, totally people aren't looking at it as the same as they should with like racism or sexism or you know uh transphobia i think it's it's up there if anything it's overwhelmingly more of a problem that people are not seeing like uh the 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 you know profiling people and having like sort of this like we need to i know there's probably a term out there like a sort of phobia like poor phobia or like some type mm. of ism you know like classism or something you know probably classism because yeah. that definitely yeah that goes <laughs> with what we're talking about and people aren't seeing like this is a time for like solidarity of like Mar marginalizing people in any sort of way is like needs to be a call for you to like take responsibility for like oh this especially in this city it could happen to anybody like really can i've met so many people and that's why i'm probably gonna have to move because i can't live here <laughs> on like the i am on Sucks. financial aid <laughs> from the government so like right. the only way i can live here is because of that and i know that the reality is rent is ridiculous and, and poverty is not the enemy yeah exactly <laughs> totally not the material like the capitalistic sort of structures of classism and i grew up with this um i mean that's all over the nation even though like uh, i lived in like a super airtight white southern baptist community <laughs> people find ways to uh to oppress one another and yeah. my family was definitely in that category of, like, the binary of good, bad families. And I'm not in any way suggesting that I, um, you know, went through, like, the horrors of certain types of oppressions that people, like, of color, black people, people of color go through. Um, but uh, definitely there's, like, s privileges and stuff like that. They're not all created equally. There's, like, a nuance to mm -hmm. how people oppress one another. And it's confusing and case by case but it does happen within all communities and that's why we have to like build community and not judge people by how they look um or anything else about them as long as they're not harming you i've met some of like the greatest people at the coalition <laughs> like you are just so rad um started <clears throat> honestly i can tell you a little brief history on like how i got into the coalition so my mom she became homeless very early at like about nine years old because of a lot of things that were happening in her household um that were not of her control so she tried to take control by running away so 
from an early age when I was little growing up, I just, my mom had been so comfortable with homeless people. I was so comfortable with homeless people, like, you know, unhoused folk, you know, like, they're just like you and me. And I can have some of the most sparkful kind of conversations with them. And I feel more comfortable with them. <laughs> so um, she started getting street sheets at the coalition when they were still over there on 16th and Mission mm -hmm. before they moved to their other site that's at 468 Turk. Mm -hmm. Years go by, years go by, and I ended up getting connected with the coalition because um, my rad-ass fiancé, <laughs> oh. homie, yes. Oh, you're engaged? <laughs> Yeah, ah, we're engaged. <laughs> We've been engaged for a few years, yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, he just happened to be doing some work there and stuff, and he was like, hey, you know, I know we just got the kids in daycare and stuff. We got that set up because I was doing that 24-7. Holy crap. So I just started putting my energy into something else. I was so depressed, so, like, anxious, just all kinds of stuff when I got to the coalition. And, like, stepping foot in the coalition, it was almost like all of that melted away. <laughs> yeah. They're the best. And I know there's, like, so many different nonprofits and stuff like that, and it's hard to know which one is the best one. There's a lot of them that are Oh, there's doing so good many work. good nonprofits. There really yeah. are. But the coalition just happened to, I don't know. Like, it was almost like revisiting a friend I hadn't seen in so long mm -hmm. and just being like, yeah, this is home. This is where I belong kind of thing. <laughs> I felt that way, too. And that's like a puzzle piece. <laughs> they really do harness that um, all for one, one for all sort of thing of like not mm -hmm. having an agenda, you know, of like just projecting onto everyone that you have to adopt. They're all always about like. Um, this is for all of us. Like, we all have a voice, as long as you're not being a butthole, you know? <laughs> like Yeah, as long as you respect the space, respect the people around you, you're always welcome to come in. Yeah, equality and, like, and, and home and just feeling like you belong. Like, there's never been a day I've walked in there where I felt like, oh, these people don't... They just are contagious of, like, what it means to, like, look into somebody's face and acknowledge their presence and mm -hmm. to acknowledge their worth and doesn't and matter build up on are. your strengths and your weaknesses like yeah. there was times where i was actually afraid to public speak and they threw me out there on the mic and come to find out i'm actually a great public speaker yeah. so <laughs> you really yeah you seriously so, are you've yeah. done i've seen you like in action and it's like you really have a gift for it. and that's the thing like I think and I have a crippling fear I'm writing about this in my like in my main in my thesis for this fall of like um fear of like uh, a lot of things but mostly like to just be yourself you know and to like speak and feel like you haven't earned that right you know and it's such a it's like crippling fear of doing that but whenever you realize oh Whenever I speak and I'm comfortable around people, whenever I feel accepted, I actually have a lot of things that are good that other people think, too. It's not just yeah. a pedestal sort of of myself, of an ego thing. It's like, no, mm. like, this matters for all of us that, you know, I'm I'm doing this because, like, if I don't do this, who else will sort of thing? And, like, um, that's how I feel. It's like about when Miguel says, you know, to speak from the heart. Because yeah. a lot of the times, some of the best material that we can come up with is just, you know, that soul searching, just like, you know, what do I want to project? What do I want the message to come out as? 
Yeah. Where's the crisis? How can we help, like, as a team here, not just me self-seeking validation Mm -hmm. or anything? Like, I really want to accomplish something here, not just talk out of my butt, (laughs) which I do sometimes. But, you know, but to have reminders of that, like... To have people around you who have that same commitment to Mm -hmm. why we're around each other. Like, why are we interacting? What are we trying to do? Um, Jenny is, like, Miguel is the housing justice, like, lead person. And then Jenny is, she's like a Wonder Woman. She's like Oh, I know. She pretty much is like, (laughs) she has, like, everybody's job. Like, her, her tasks are just everything. Yeah. Compiled into one. Like, she really is a rock star. She'll even come in on the weekends. That's just how devoted she is. Yeah. So, yeah, she's a, she's been one of the, like, greatest mentors I've met there besides Miguel and um, Emmett. So. Yeah. And, and Kelly, too. I mean, there's so many. Like, there's, you guys just, like, <laughs> we'll get to, like, all that stuff at the end. But, like, you really yeah. should, like, step in and try to come into some of the work groups because, like, you know, I don't know. There's something about them, like, all together as, like, this, like, moving, like, the cogs that move. I don't know. It's like a an empathy machine. Like, yeah. I struggle to say, like, machine because that sounds, like, systemic, whatever. But it's really about, like, the one love sort of, you know, hippy-dippy. This <laughs> <laughs> of, like, we're all adhering to this... Um, like everybody involved here matters and sort of like you're the Merkaba. Like the Merkaba is the body, the soul and the spirit. Yeah. So a lot of the times like I think of the Merkaba when I'm around like the office space, the coalition. So that's like we all are kind of like just one. <laughs> so how about we take a mic break since I'm sure Roadkill, if you're like getting yeah, like let's a get little, to the yeah, next song. Some, yeah, to <laughs> so get like a drink um, to sort of replenish our vocal cords. We need um, some lubrication, guys. <laughs> the next song is Gloria by the Lumineers, per uh, co DJ today, uh, Roadkill. Um, yeah, yeah the <laughs> song, I, I didn't really want to talk too much about the other ones, but this one in particular, um, my mom has dealt with mental health problems and addiction like her whole life and her mental health problems came before her addiction and so this song kind of covers it a little bit like the perspective on like what someone's going through like when the person they love the most is in that so wow yeah i if you're listening kelly i love you (laughs) i love you mom it, uh, I mean, it's a really beautiful song. From, uh, right? From what I've come to understand about, like, actually watching about, like, the official video they released with the song, um, you know, it was Gloria. She was dealing with a lot of mental health problems. Her mother passed away. She ended up, you know, um, she kind of went through this sort of, like, you know, like this identity crisis kind of thing where she also was becoming uh, self-destructive. And she ended up, you know, having a fling with somebody one night at a bar, and she actually got pregnant, I came to find out, and then um, she was married, too, and so it kind of goes along in, like, three songs. I think it's um, Life of the City, Donna, and then um, Gloria, and Gloria is the person who we see on all three of these, like, like, in her journey in all three of these songs. And, yeah, she just, um, she ended up succumbing to, like, you know, just wanting to cope 
with all of that pain and that sadness um, from losing her mother, who happened to be Donna. And, like, yeah, it was just, um, like, I could totally relate to it when I was listening to these songs and watching, like, the videos finally. I had already liked the songs, but watching the videos to go with it, to boot, I was like, wow, this is, like, way more powerful than I thought. Thanks, Lumineers. All the feels. <laughs> that, I didn't know that back story to it like, yeah they're phenomenal they're great artists i love yeah. the fact that they make people you know like question you know like what's going on in their lives and being like you know seeing the bigger picture so yeah and that's beautiful like uh i think that i hope that people who have some type of notion of kusf being like snooty about only indie underground punk you know like i will play you know mainstream stuff and the lumineers are kind of well known but like Artists like that, if anything, thank goodness that they are mainstream because right. they're doing really good work with like raising awareness in their songs that are meaningful, um, that people can actually relate to, and it's not just the top forty, like whatever bubbly, whatever music that's superficial. But that's intense. and there's a reason they're on the top charts. <laughs> like, yeah, they earned yeah. it. <laughs> they're like, very good. There's some people who don't earn it, but the Lumineers earned it. Uh, <laughs> and they definitely earned like a place in my heart too. The homeless house housing crisis in general is just overwhelming, and it's hard to know where to start in a conversation about how to how to come up with solutions because it is so complex, and it we can't change the pricing of the housing market. That's just like. The prob that's the fundamental problem with you know a lot of uh, why we're in this housing crisis and why people aren't able to you know sustain housing. Um, but um, in terms of resolving it on like a personal local level, I think you know for me it's been important to know that it has to do with perception of people as individuals, you know, and not judging people on. I think I've done this before too of like the questioning why somebody's homeless never yeah. approach somebody with that <laughs> get that out of your head like don't don't focus yeah. on the why focus on like what can you do to help them now yes because this is the present <laughs> like, yeah it definitely even if you have the right intentions and that sounds like the natural way to start avo avoid that just try to meet somebody like as if they're anybody else you know like on maybe they don't want you to to feel sorry for them you know like maybe they just want to strike a, a conversation just think about like uh okay yes you know if you're going down to the tenderloin and you see that they're unhoused people um you know just just think about like if somebody says hi to you and they just want to talk for a little bit or if they want a dollar like i am not judgmental about like if somebody wants to buy beer with you know like money that you're giving them Really what they're doing with that money is irrelevant yeah the fact that you're giving them something you know like that's good on you so you don't have to just be like oh yeah and don't do this and don't do that with it like no that's bullshit yes you know you already gave it to them just you know say your piece be like i hope you have a better day yes. blah 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 and just keep it pushing because yeah half the time you know when i was out there <clears throat> And I also want to do this, too. Not every unhoused resident, yeah. like, not all of us are seeking your pity. We're not seeking, you know, some kind of allowance or what have you from you. <laughs> like, And half the time, I wouldn't say we're seeking validation, but, I mean, the validation's nice. But 
I mean, all in all, half the unhoused folk I've come across, um, a lot of us just wanted to be kind of left alone. Yes. And it's hard to be left alone when you're in the public's eye, like, mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. You know, somebody can just be having the same problems as me that's housed, and they get that, you know, that comfort um, closing their door. We don't have that. We don't have that outlet at all. Yeah. And the outlets we do have, there's just those prudes clutching their pearls being like, oh, no, <laughs> look at these people. Yeah. So it's like, you know, <laughs> there's n- everyone always thinks that unhoused folks have all these options. We really don't. No. And a lot of the times, I mean... I can say for myself, it took me almost seven years to get myself on my feet again and become housed again. And it wasn't because I wasn't trying. I was definitely trying. It's just there's a lot of people when you're <clears throat> when you're unhoused and you, you know, you look a certain way or you, you smell a certain way or however, you know, they judge you automatically. Like that you're unclean, you're unpure, you're not safe, like all of this stuff. And it's like, no... It, you know, it's like, I just need a little extra help. <laughs> yeah. And, the, and whenever, especially whenever people, especially whenever it comes to mental illness or like drug addiction or, you know, alcohol addiction, I mean, coming from th- this person right here, I've had my battles with all of that and I've never been unhoused, you know? And so it does yeah. not come down to that at all. Like, that's completely you know, baseless to... I don't know how many times I've seen unhoused folk, like, target... Or no, excuse me. I don't know how many times I've seen housed folk target unhoused residents. There's been multiple times I've watched them and how they interact with people that are homeless on the street. And, you know, it's sickening. (laughs) And, like, scold them for, like... Yeah, they scold them for their lifestyle, tell them to get a job, yeah, 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 and all that stuff, and, like, that's not productive, you know? And how do you know that person hasn't tried getting a job, but they've been turned down? I don't know how many times I had, when I first became homeless, I put out, like, 50, fucking 70 resumes, and, like, you know, because I didn't have as much, you know, working experience, I automatically... And because of what I looked like, <laughs> they just threw those resumes in the garbage. And I never heard from them. You know, yeah. like, there's so many people that, like, look like me or don't look like me. <laughs> and, like, yeah, man. <laughs> it's, yeah, the the perception, the profiling perception of just walking outside and being around uh, different, all different walks of life. Um, and I know San Francisco is, like known for being like the bedrock of like the queer community and like diversity and all of this Um, i don't know why we hate homeless people so much exactly it's like why are they not included like it's a classist issue even though like we might be good on like not and there is certainly gentrification and like racism and sexism and especially transphobia i know homophobia isn't as big of a thing but like especially among the unhoused population with shelters and stuff like this there's a lot of transphobic stuff um happening that needs to be addressed um there's uh, a lot of like people that are trans who've been murdered just this year alone you know and some of them were homeless too and just you never hear about those things but then you hear about what happened in the embarcadero like Mm -hmm. a week ago and it's like well i'm glad she had her outlet i'm glad that they covered her story but this is coming at like the worst time ever we need that navigation center Mm -hmm. we need more solutions for homelessness 
It's not going to go away. What keeps you motivated and like what uh, organizations do you find are doing the work um, that needs to be done and that is making changes, even though it's not an overnight change, like over right. time, like you feel like they're doing a lot of good? Well, <clears throat> what motivates me to keep going is I want something better <laughs> for just everyone. Like what Miguel says all the time, like, you know, just because he's housed and I'm housed doesn't mean that the fight stops with us mm -hmm. just being housed. Like it has to keep going until homelessness is completely eradicated yeah. and abolished. And that ties into a lot of like sociopolitical narratives of like, especially with the queer community, we're not free until we're all free. Like mm -hmm. uh, that has so much... Uh, I think why this housing crisis matters so much of people caring about it is that it cross, it overlaps with the marginalized communities who are oppressed um, by like a huge, overwhelming um, disproportion. Uh, black people, um, people of color, queer people are homeless compared to. Um, you know, hetero white people. Like, it's still a problem <laughs> in San Francisco, uh, even though we think that it has this, you know, past, you know, movements of being super progressive. It's revolution is not a one night, a one time event. Like, it, we have to maintain uh, pushing for uh, conversations, changes from uh, different leaders in the, in the city and for people in the middle, community people, to step in and help too. So I guess some other organizations besides the coalition that I believe and like feel are doing their part for the community. Um, another shout out I'll give to is the Dope Project because they are literally throwing awareness out there publicly and um, they're letting people know, you know, that they educate people on, you know, people with addiction and drug use and drug use safety and I totally appreciate that because of like where we are right now <laughs> yeah. in this crisis and then I also want to give a shout out to Glide because um you know they feed um so many like unhoused residents and they provide so many job opportunities and programs for people who are living in poverty for their children and stuff like that yeah. I actually have a friend who never believed she'd be able to afford you know, putting her child in school or daycare and, you know, just because she's hooked up with Glide, they help her so she yeah. can have a job and stuff like that. And just, you know, they're doing such great stuff. And then um, one of the people that works there, I love the hell out of her. And she was also formerly homeless like I am. And her name is um, Amber Sheldon. So, like, if you ever want to <laughs> meet her, she is so cool. And, like, <laughs> yeah, man, like, we're just trying to help out the community. Um, I guess another organization i feel like it's at the top of my head but i can't remember oh of course homeless prenatal so mm -hmm. a lot of people that don't know it they've been in the community since like the 70s and they're like a huge powerhouse and darcy for the first time a few weeks ago was able to like go to homeless prenatal and be like whoa <laughs> like this is the shit <laughs> yeah compared to like other you know other service provisions uh for like how to help support um, unhoused people, like I was like, wow, this could we need more of this in other services, you know, like uh, if not 
the funding part of it, the, I know the the care not cash sort of argument mm-hmm. is dumb. We need care and cash. <laughs> and, uh, Give us your money. Yeah. <laughs> like, and to not throw it around blindly either. I know people have issues with funding different, um, like, especially Prop C of like, oh, well, there's no accountability. But, but it hasn't happened yet. First of all, <laughs> we haven't even used the money, so how can it, I mean, right. there is accountability if you keep. It's also on held up in us. court right now too because they don't want to, you know, fulfill their end of the bargain. So yeah, boo, city of San Francisco. Yeah, <laughs> nah. in, um, but yeah, homeless yeah. prenatal. I also want to let people know that it's not like I know homeless is in its name, but it's not just for people that are homeless. Like anybody that's like you know in a financial crisis or burden, like just go over there, like start the process. Like they'll help you with so many things. I get diapers for my child, um, food, like classes, parenting classes for anybody that you know wants to like touch up a little bit on some stuff. Um, yeah, definitely. They do case management. Um, they help people people with vouchers and subsidies. So, I mean, like, it's just a good program altogether. <laughs> and, yeah, there's there needs to be, like, all levels of care and not just, like, oh, you have to be, like, you know, the, the, the very criminalizing, stigmatizing, the stigma of how people perceive somebody who is struggling. Yeah, um, I saw a lot about, I saw a lot of that actually, like, out on the streets, um, even in this, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the project I was in for months now, it's called Stolen Belonging. Shout um, out. Yeah, shout Ch- out Stolen Belonging. Yeah. If you ever want to, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, and we're all, we are, we also have our domain name, stolenbelonging.org. It's a really cool program, but, I mean, a cool <laughs> it's a really cool project, and Leslie Dreyer, she is like so bomb. One of my mentors as well. Um, she's like the powerhouse, like the heart behind the project. A few years ago, when they started really cracking down on sweeps, and for people who don't know what sweeps are, it's basically when city officials or <clears throat> like DPW, SFPD, Parks and Rec, they come around and like they basically like steal all of your stuff. <laughs> they sweep everything. <laughs> I mean, like, medication, ashes, books, like, just everything, tools, like, it doesn't matter. And you could even be standing next to it, and they'll take it. But, um, yeah, a lot of that stuff was happening around um, the Super Bowl time. And so um, Leslie Dreyer and Scott Nelson kind of came together, and they got, you know, the report backs of the bag-and-tag policy that they were doing at the time. And literally, there were so many... blank spots and like like incomplete information like how could anybody ever get their stuff back and i also found out that a lot of those people that were getting their like belongings stolen you know they never got even a tag to like get it back or where to go like they kind of basically was like oh yeah we're taking your stuff figure it out so you're gonna hear a lot of people like a lot in the media and and um papers and news and all that um, they want to say, you know, that uh, their yard, which is a secured yard with locks, <laughs> like huge containers, I've seen them. They want to say, you know, that street people freaking break into them like almost every night. Such BS. Like, if you do, like, how can they do it like every night? How are you getting hit up like this? Like, it just doesn't, like, two and two don't add together. 
It's ridiculous. Even if that were true, like, theoretically, like, oh, like, and it's not true. They don't have evidence or it's just not yeah, where's true. Yeah, the, where's the evidence? Where's the numbers? Like, <laughs> yeah, they can't, that doesn't explain why there's no follow-up with, like, the bag and tag. Like, they don't write down people's actual information and follow-up. Like, there's a lack of communication. And this happens with, like, police reports. Um... I am doing this like Me Too project with um, with somebody on you know getting more community awareness and like policy change on uh, how people respond to especially women unhoused women and other genders but um, mostly women who are more vulnerable you know if they're outside at night and mm-hmm. there's nobody to help them uh, or people I was avoid them before at night <laughs> when and, I was homeless so it's just God. it's yeah. Like, that's a thing. <laughs> it, yeah, and the police don't care. They literally, whenever we looked for, like, numbers of, like, outside of just, like, talking with people, the sort of the narrative aspect of just, like, you know, helping people share their story, like, we went to the other side of, like, okay, what's happening on the service provision side on this issue because the city needs to protect its citizens. Like, it has to. And, and homeless people are citizens as well. They are, <laughs> like, yeah. That's all, like, just conjoin, like, yeah. this whole thing. And they had no recorded numbers of reported yeah. sexual assaults, and that was super problematic. And I know probably a lot of people know, like, they're like, the police are not going to help me, so they just don't report it. Yeah, that's... But- Definitely There's, a common thing among yeah. the folk that, you know, get assaulted. A lot of the times it's either they try to make a report and, you know, SFPD or cops in general, they just don't take it seriously. Yeah. It just gets kind of washed away. Or it's one of those things where it's like, well, if I try to let them know, like, will I get retaliation against me? Yeah. Like, you know, so-and-so goes forth and so people don't report. And that's for house people. To, like, that's just sort of sexual assault, like the triviality of like what is justice in terms of getting people like to how do you how do you get justice from stuff like this from a the service providers you know of our community and it's hard you know it should be survivor centered um because it the retaliation aspect too is really a huge they like to blame the victims a lot and it's like get that out of your head like stop doing that urge the city leaders to like actually make a difference and the more i mean be a squeaky wheel like it seems discouraging sometimes like i know we've been there whenever like we go out to city hall like in our rallies and stuff with the co and uh or just in general just like talking to people in general it's like where is this leading you know push through that discouragement like you know there's growing pains and you just have to stay persistent and like keep on nagging people (laughs) keep on nagging like don't let them get off easy like um (laughs) like especially the mayor needs to know like if she's gonna have this big of a responsibility of serving so many people like she needs to know that the people who need her most she is not serving and the people not at all who just want her you know, to you know, that's one of the reasons we actually, like, you know, made her an official because she wanted to tackle the homeless crisis, but she hasn't done anything to make it better. She's actually made steps where it's harder to get out of poverty. Yep. She wants people to revisit poverty over and over and over again until they can, like, literally, like, wrangle everybody up and, like, 
haul them all away. Like, yeah. I don't know if you guys know this. I know this isn't part of like what we're going to go oh, into, but organic unfolding. Um, <laughs> I'm all about like happy. Uh, yeah, happy. the conservatory. There's been a lot of stuff like up in the air about that, and you know, a lot of people are like, well, you know, if they're they have mental health issues and stuff, and they're like an endanger to themselves, why should they be out in the public? But it's like, you know what? There's other things you could be doing instead of stripping people of their human rights you know it's just especially when it's like court ordered like like take your fucking rights like what yeah that i feel like fuck you scott wiener yeah. <laughs> like you coming up with that and then trying to do a pilot program for san francisco san diego and la like come on man like you're not helping yeah that's you're just making yourself feel better and not anybody else <laughs> Yeah, so the conservatory, um, that I guess I don't know as much. SB ten forty five. Oh, gotcha. And then it okay. got ex- like it got broadened and became um, SB forty, I believe. Okay. And so I think on June fourth, they officially like made that a thing. I started getting reports from people who are also like activists on my feed, being like, "Hey, just saw a woman on Market Street just get stolen away by the cops." because she was having an episode like those kind of moments like it's like <laughs> scary it's i mean with like the h sock hearing is Boo. that yeah <laughs> so h sock that's like uh oh yeah the h sock meeting we're doing that on um august 20th on tuesday yeah over at the auditorium in the main library i believe yeah the correct auditorium yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, like, the, um, I'll have to look more into, like, SB 1040, and all of these are, like, the same, like, correlations of, like, basically city, like, the SFPD, DPW, SFMTA, um, all of these people enforcing certain, uh, certain measures, like, attacks, basically, against people. Yeah, that hinder, Um, like, unhoused residents. Yeah, selective enforcement. Oh, even that BS with SFMTA like a few weeks back where it was like they were like trying to be like anti-panhandling. But what is anti-panhandling? That's anti-homeless. Yeah. Sorry to say it. It goes hand in hand. Yeah. So, yeah. And then they actually took them off about a week ago. Somebody who's unhoused and doing like uh, doing that somewhere in a neighborhood or like uh, especially like around like the hate, you know, like... I feel like they're not bother if they're not bothering anybody and they're just silently like hey if you want to it's kind of like I don't know it's like just give what you can and if you can't that's fine too like it's really not intrusive at all and they most of the time you know like I my whole problem it's like a philosophical as existential problem of like whenever people um oppose really just the existence of somebody who really doesn't want to be out there either you know like with these aggressive like mats with spikes you know oh Um, yeah (laughs) i mean those are awful man i mean even the churches man they have this system where it's like the water will splash on you if you try to sleep there like it was horrible saint mary's actually over there by um think it's in the western edition area i used to sleep there and then all of a sudden like one day i just got splashed on and they made these anti-homeless kind of like um gutters where it's like it shoots out water and immediately just and 
you're a church for fuck's sake like yeah. are you serious <laughs> that's like cruel and you know, unusual and i'm ironic. sorry to say this but like jesus was homeless jesus was nomadic jesus was all for sex workers jesus was all about people like you know like everything that we're so against like i don't know if you're religious but like actually we've had this talk you're not yeah. but i grew <laughs> but up I'm in a very catholic religion, yeah, yeah I've, I've grown up in a very catholic like you know background and like it always ticked me off when i would see people of like my congregation like mistreating an unhoused person and it was like that's exactly what jesus was though mm -hmm. everything you hate was him so you hate jesus like it's it's fucking weird yeah. <laughs> It's in my problem with a lot of um, whenever people justify certain means, like that's more politi political means and not in using religion and cherry picking certain things from like the Old Testament. <laughs> like, come on now. And then people, but Jesus is always like the their guy, though, you know, like, oh, Jesus is like obviously like sort of the, the founding principle the main character of christianity <laughs> he knew how to buck up what he needed yeah, to <laughs> but nobody quotes jesus have you noticed that with whenever people like, i know and like the proverbs man that came from him and like all this other stuff and it's like yeah like i think one of my favorite things uh in the bible is like i guess i should say uh kind of rewarding it different because it's been a minute but the whole like the mantra of like you know, treat yourself or treat people how you'd like to be treated mm -hmm. kind of thing. Like, the golden rule thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like people need to start doing that more instead of just preaching it. And regardless of religion, but it's ironic yeah. that people in religion who, you know, blast these principles are like all talk and not, you know, they're a walking contradiction. <laughs> yeah. And especially with like white, um, white churches and, specifically like evangelicals <laughs> and i'm about to actually have a conversation with my brother about this so <laughs> yay oh that's always so fun evangelicals but he's like on board like i trust um and that's what's been wrong with like this administration and locally um is that there's like a lot of either white fragility or white people who or just privileged people regardless of race ethnicity whatever anybody here especially who is privileged and wealthy um they just feel like they're gonna get attacked or something or like criticized and they don't know how to enter these conversations um but the thing is like uh you just have to start from somewhere and you have to know that like you you have to be part of like being silent doing nothing is contributing to the problem like yeah non-racism versus anti-racism you know like step in like be a part of the people have been like so conditioned into like you know incorporating these things into their like belief system growing up like a lot of people like they are the way they are because of like fears that were like pushed into them by their family their environment and it's like if you were conditioned to be ignorant or bigot or any of that stuff you can uncondition yourself you really can yeah like it just takes effort and i don't think a lot of people are up to that task just yet not saying everybody's like you know I'm, i don't want to generalize everybody but i think there's a difference between wealthy people and rich people i think that there's like a prestige or like a classist thing with like rich people and with wealthy people who you wouldn't know were wealthy you know because they present as just like 
okay, like you're entitled to your wealth, whatever, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not attacking wealthy people. You have every right to earn whatever you earn as long as you're ethical about it. Um, but you have a duty, not to sound too much like a socialist, but in the, so- <laughs> in the society that you live in, you're, nobody's self-made. <laughs> right. Like you have to give back. You can't just think that it's runaway, you know, like it is runaway capitalism in this city where we have 75 billionaires and 10,000 people who are unhoused. And capitalism in itself is also just so unsustainable for like human life and just, you know, the whole world. Yeah. Like environment wise and everything, like we're literally like depleting the planet of its resources Mm -hmm. at an alarming rate. Sometimes it makes it, I know this sounds like dramatic, but it really does keep me up at night thinking like what the future is going to hold for my children yeah so global like climate change stuff there was somebody i talked to at a woman's place yesterday who brought up that um um and she's kind of like uh she's probably in her 30s or 40s and i had met her just for the first time and so she was still pretty young and like said that um i choose to be out in my tent and she was talking about getting harassed by dpw and i was like come to this hearing on tuesday like you totally have more people who are in this with you and we're trying to fight them and change policies um with how people are treated um and she made this really really poignant point about how on a global level people who are unhoused are not a threat if anything they're helping the global crisis of like all of this um wasted energy that's you know causing you know like the way we um just burn through like a uh, power of electricity oil all of this where it's financially a and lot of the times environmentally folk have this like simplicity about them and so yeah. I totally agree with that. <laughs> she had such a cool, like, um, like the way she presented it. She was, like, personally suffering, but also, too, like, so thinking outside of the box of, like, the f- absurdity of people thinking unhoused folks are such a threat to their society whenever the GOP, you know, like, white male Republicans are the biggest threat to our world and our local, you know, well-being as well as the world and really, if anything, like, to get back to the Jesus point, like, <laughs> people who live, you know, in, uh, you know, beneath their means and, like, are always, like, looking out for each other and not just, like, sucking resources out of other people colonizing, but also just, you know, like, sharing, like, and to sound, like, hippie, too, like, you know, just the <laughs> one love sort of aspect you of... You dirty hippie. <laughs> Like, I mean, they're the people who are sustaining, who are the most sustainable, um, you know, contributors to our world, you know, and not costing there. I mean, we should, you know, pitch out more, you know, money and care for the housing crisis, but also too, like whenever you look at the global environmental aspect, it's like, man, like the perception is so lopsided and so backward. I found it crazy because the other day I was <clears throat> like, I think it popped up on my feed and I started reading the article, but it was saying that um, the FBI just classified Black Lives Matter as like one of the most, the biggest terrorist organizations in the country when like, like how, like has there been murders because of them? 
no, not really. <laughs> like, their response. To I mean, there have murders. been individuals that happen to be, you know, BLM, but it wasn't the whole BLM movement. Mm-hmm. And then you have people who are like, honestly, right now the biggest terrorist in freaking America right now. And I mean, we can fight until I'm blue in the face about it. Is going. I'm always going to be like, it's like nationalist, like radical, like white males. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> like. I don't know. It's it's scary. And um, even after, I don't even want to bring number 45 up, but after he got, you know, sworn in and everything, like the day after, I was walking with my son, and he happened to be still in his stroller, and somebody was in, like, one of their pickup trucks, and they were like, ooh, Merca-looking guy. And he was like, go back to your fucking country, you wet back, to me. And I was like, uh, What? I'm from here, and not even just that. Even if I was, how do you have any right to say that to me? How? Like, what gives you the right to tell somebody they can't be in this land, this land of opportunity that was literally built on the backbones of slavery, on the backbones of indigenous people being wiped out, and on the backbones of immigrants coming to this freaking country to start a new country? It was already discovered, guys. I'm sorry. It had already been established, like freaking colonizers but yeah like they were like escaping like persecution from their own country and then did it here like why like it's the most like social like tunnel vision of just that's like getting mad at someone uh because you're stepping on their toe you know (laughs) it's like oh my goodness like in texas especially like Texas was Mexico, like, and then they, like, took over, like, it's really, I mean, all of the white nationalism. It's called the Gettysburg Address, where, like, literally almost 60, 65% of America was bought with two million dollars, two million dollars then, Yeah. and they paid it, and, like, they got all of that land that happened to be Mexico, and so a lot of the times you won't hear me say immigrants, you'll hear me say migrants, Mm-hmm. Because they're every bit a part of this land. Yeah. Same with, like, my family history. Like, I'm Navajo, and then my grandmother was, like, Chicana. Like, straight up, just, she was born in this land, but she was Mexican. The problem is that people think that, oh, slavery, all of this stuff that happened, you know, and the, 150 the, years the ago. It's, angry, it's done. the people it's that are like, done. OMG, like, get over it, you cry babies, that's what colonizing's about. Like, no, F that. Like, yeah. are you serious? Like, I can still hold, like, because that pain, it's traumatic, and mm-hmm. it, it doesn't go away if you don't acknowledge it, and people don't want to acknowledge it half the time. They just want to sweep it under the rug. Yeah. So it's like, how can we get to a higher conscious? If we don't acknowledge, like, the wrongs we did. First, acknowledge history, brutal history of, like, pillaging people and, like, raping, you know, villages of of people. um, And um, especially I'm pointing, nodding at, like, Columbus uh, is one of those people. Um, He actually (laughs) never stepped foot in this country. Oh, yeah. Ever. He never even, I think he went as far as um, the Caribbean or something like that. Yeah. He never actually stepped foot in america but he became like this uh symbolism of 
you know, discovering <laughs> yeah. America. I can't actually remember off the top of my head who was the person that actually came here, but I think he was also Italian, but he just wasn't as well known as Columbus. And also, Columbus had, like, disgusting, disgusting diseases. Mm-hmm. Like, he literally lived with syphilis for I don't know how many years and was, like, raping, like, the native women that he came across. And, like, they had never been exposed to that, so they died. <laughs> like. Yeah. And he didn't give a fuck. He just wanted to get his dick wet. Oh, yeah. excuse me. I probably shouldn't be saying that. <laughs> he And I was just talking about this uh, to uh, someone about, like, why do we still have Columbus Day on our calendar? Like, uh, I've turned that into Indigenous Day now in my household. And I know there's different ways to, like, turn around, like, Thanksgiving, whatever. Like, we can still take that sort of back and, like, make something good out of it, you know, mm-hmm. and repurpose it. But with the actual terrible person that's like making like a hitler day you know and like not (laughs) fully changing it i know a lot of states have done that but on the calendar in the united states he's like he's a well-known like there's tons of statues and tons of things named after him and like he was just as bad as columbus he came here and he pillaged he raped and then he also like erased culture to the ohlone and the other natives that happened to be in these you know, neighboring yeah. <clears throat> counties, and like, it's just awful. Jeez, we just and they still won't take his statue down, and like, <laughs> and they still name things after him. And I'm like, stop glorifying. Like, I know I don't want I don't want us to forget our history, but yeah. at the same time, why are you glorifying somebody who literally, in today's society, wouldn't cut it? Yeah. If he was doing the things he did then, now. Oh hell no! Everybody would literally be in on, like in a lynch mob with freaking fire torches and everything. Like if you just you know, there's a starting point, and like to un like uncondition yourself to those like those beliefs that were like pushed in you. Yeah, it's not your fault, you know hey, that that happened, but it is your fault if you allow it to continue. Exactly. And then also, like, hate is not something that just automatically comes to the human body. Like, you're taught to hate. Yeah. So. (laughs) Babies, babies and toddlers are, like, the best people ever because they haven't, they don't have any sort of discrimination. They're just, like, little, you know, little blobs of, you know, cute, cuddly, you know, people who don't have these instilled hateful ideas about people we should have babies for presidents and (laughs) leaders (laughs) (laughs) that's actually like one of the refreshers about having my daughter and my son in my life like they definitely like ground me and like remind me like even me talking about (laughs) what i've been talking about the last hour or two now um yeah, time's kind of gotten away, which is good, though. I mean, it's a cool <laughs> <Yeah>. conversation. <laughs> My son, he has um, a delay. He has autism. But, like, that never stops him from doing what he needs to do and stuff. And there's times where, like, you know, we're out and we're going on outings. And just an example I'm giving. Um, there was a time where we were at a park and... A year or so before that, I had had him, like, I stopped looking at him for a few seconds, and he was gone, and he was away from me for, like, a whole hour, and it was, like, the most, like, agonizing hour of my life. Like, time stopped, and I just, and you know, but I got him back and everything, and so I'm cautious whenever we go on outing sometimes, because I don't want him to just, like, you know, zoom, and he's gone, mm-hmm. kind of thing. But, um... 
yeah, in this particular instance, it had happened again, but it, like I started to shut down, but I was like, no, I have to find him. And I found him and he happened to be like around the corner, like at the park. <laughs> we were at a park and he happened to be like, like by the swings, but he was like holding this man's hand. So I instantly was like, oh my God, stop touching my kid. You know, like, like get the hell away from him. And like, I was getting super aggressive at him. And then the man told me, like, your son initiated, you know, this, what was going on. Mm -hmm. And he was holding my hand and, like, he told me, like, I was feeling really bad about myself and depressed and all that stuff. And then your son found me and, like, oh. made his day better. And, like, you know, I kind of, like, got snapped into reality and was like, wow. You know, like... I, I was about to like you know eat his head <laughs> and then him telling me that stuff it was like my son's totally a healer <laughs> yeah he's a great kid <laughs> Aww, that's beautiful. and that was a and moment if he can see like you know like there i was about to discriminate against this man Just but he, he brought me back to reality and was like no mom like he needed me to like you know, yeah. it was great. And so if children like my son and your children can see that, you know, why can't we? <laughs> yeah, adults are full of, like, all of these fears that come from real places but can also blind us from, like, hum humanity, like, a person's humanity because pain doesn't discriminate, people discriminate. Like, exactly. People are suffering um, in, in all walks, like... Uh, Oh, I wish I had That's so beautiful. No, it's okay. It always tears me up every time yeah. I think about it because he's such thing. a sweet person. Oh, <laughs> His yeah. name's Orion, and, like, he definitely is a star child. Yeah. And, like, he sees things people don't see. Wow. So, yeah, he's great. <laughs> That's such, a like, an energy of, like, uh, he's just seeing, like, these different dimensions that, um, yeah, like, kind of like whenever... Um, like auras, you know, like somebody's glowing. Right, like, and he's done that several times since. Like, he'll just yeah. come up to somebody and he wants to hold their hand and walk with them for a little bit. Oh. And then after he walks with them for a little bit and they get all happy and giddy, he's like, okay, mom, we can go now, kind wow. of thing. Yeah, He's it's... like a guardian <laughs> human, like an angel, you know, like, <laughs> who, uh, like a therapy child, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, even who... when I'm upset and I'm crying, he'll come up to me and, like, put his hands, like, Aww. like one hand on each cheek and, like, looks at me with his eyes. And his eyes change colors, by the way, wow. for his different moods. And he'll look at me and he'll just be like, it's okay. Without even yeah. saying it, because he also has a speech delay. But, like, yeah, he's just such a great kid. <laughs> Um, we encourage you, we urge you, um, you can make a huge difference even if you don't think you can. You, your presence does matter. If anybody wants to help in terms of, uh, you know, going to a meeting just to, like, learn more, that's good to, like, step in and ask questions. You know, people are supportive, especially the Coalition on Homelessness. Um, you, yeah. Yeah, Tuesdays at the Coalition on Homelessness, which is located at 468 Turk. Mm -hmm. Um pretty soon oh my gosh we talked about gentrification and all that stuff earlier we're actually being gentrified ourselves and being pushed out of the home we called home for 16 years yeah. but we're still going to be in the neighborhood our sister um organized or nonprofit is um hospitality house mm -hmm. so we are going to start being there at 290 uh shoot 
Turk. Yeah, 290 Turk in about like a month or so. But anyway, um, if you ever want to just stop in and do the work groups, we have a 12 o'clock to 2 o'clock um, work group on Tuesdays, and that is for housing justice. And then on Wednesdays from 1230 to 230, we have our human rights. I mean, yeah, just be come in, be a part of the conversation. Don't be a part of the conversation. Just listen, observe. Mm-hmm. I know I did for the first few times yeah. I started being in those meetings because I didn't know. It's a lot to take in. Yeah, it's a lot to take in. You don't know where to start, but like a lot of the people that have been going there for years and have been, you know, facilitating these um, these work groups, like they know what they're doing. <laughs> so yeah, you can definitely get a lot of pointers. Um, even if you want to volunteer, like just come in, talk to Miguel or Emmett or whoever. If you want to be a vendor, if if we have any unhoused folks listening right now, you know, mm-hmm. we, we, we've been doing the street sheet for, I think, about 20, 25 years, something like that. Between yeah. that time, right now we have an editor and a co-editor of the street sheet, um, Quiver and TJ Johnston. And then our vendor coordinator, woot woot, Emmett House. Yeah. yeah he's a cool guy. Love oh, that guy. Yeah. Um so yeah, there's just a lot of good stuff happening. So feel free to email me. I've got my email up if you have like direct questions about any of the cover because we covered a lot of ground and a lot of of the issues, uh, <laughs> not just concerning the housing crisis, but like just human human the human crisis of like a lot of side issues that are related to that go hand in hand with the yeah, housing crisis. I like crisis. the way you word it, the human crisis. Because that's yeah. totally what it is. <laughs> it's yeah, because it's just. I mean, yeah, it's definitely needs. We need all the help we can get um, as as a community. And um, and I like what you brought up about like whenever if you're feeling down ever, if you're ever just in a murky place, um, and we all get there and we start feeling sorry for ourselves, or it's justified like depression and something's going on. Usually, stepping outside of that and like seeing that you know you the other people are in need too it does not to say like misery loves company but yes like you've you have a purpose to help like as other people have a purpose in helping you feel like you're not alone and that people care about you that's one of the best ways to like feel better about life and the world out there because other people are like you and they care and um helping others if you can't help yourself is kind of like a good you know, if you can't get out of a mental rut or something, like break out of your 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 headspace and go and you know see what other people are doing, especially at the <clears> coalition. Like a little turtle, just pop your head out your shell. Yeah, <laughs> it just gets a lot. You know, you just get stuck inside of yourself, and it's hard. To- Nobody's telling you to like become like this radical activist right now. Like yeah. it's all baby steps. Like yeah. do what you're like do it at this pace that you're comfortable with, but at the same time, if you know that you're you have a like everyone has a purpose but if you know that your moral compass is telling you to swing like in favor of social injustice rather than against like please listen to that moral compass (laughs) and thank you so much for being here like oh yeah and thank you for just you the person that you are and like i feel super (laughs) blessed uh for just everything that you um represent and everything that you uh do and like continue to just be like super duper like full of grace and not like in a I don't know like you're just very like down to earth and I feel like comfortable with you and I (laughs) I I love that um 
I yeah, just, we can. We're like very close to kin. We can talk yeah. for hours, and it's like I've known you my whole life. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like yeah, definitely. Blood is not thicker than water. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, I think that. Um, I always yeah, I always dislike that whole like blood is thicker. I have a lot of family members that because of my sexuality like totally like dipped, ditched me <laughs> out of their yeah. life, cut me out. So, like a lot of the times, like my chosen family, like my family is my chosen family. Yeah. And so you're part of my chosen family, Darcy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess one last thing I have to say to the listeners is that um, I didn't really talk. I talked a little bit about stolen belonging, but um, if you're one of those, you know, citizens that's concerned about like unhoused folk getting constantly swept, um, please, 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 I urge you to look up stolenbelonging.org. And a lot of the times, there are things they. Uh, they coincide with what the coalition's doing to begin with, so yeah, please look it up. There's a lot of times. I mean, even if you wanna, like, if you see an active sweep happening, like, don't look away. Like, record mm-hmm. it. If you're, you know, you're if you're at a point where like you can record it, please do. Like yeah. sometimes, like that's all that person needs to like just to have the accountability of like you know the city officials that are. <sighs> like totally like wrecking that person's life and they don't even realize it when they're doing it yeah because it's all just it's all about like backwards policies to them yeah and taking orders like they're just kind of warm bodies that are like taking you know who also said they like to take orders (laughs) nazis yeah (laughs) i'm just doing my job like i hate that like no you could be doing something better i think a lot of people are very like selfish in in the way that like you know they think about themselves and like that's good some people like who don't have self-care need to think about themselves but a lot of the times when you're already at that point and you're like oh i don't feel comfortable like this person makes me like you know and you're looking at an house an unhoused person like an unhoused resident when you say that like imagine what they're going through as well yeah. again poverty is not the enemy mm-hmm. and that's all i have to say now <laughs> Shut up.